Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello everyone, how are you? Welcome back to another episode of the Girl Next Door. Happy Wednesday or whatever day that it happens to be. What are you up to? Um, I often wonder where you guys are when you're listening to the podcast. I'm sitting in my study right now with a nice cup of hot tea. I'm not a huge lover of tea, but you know, I know it's good for me. So I have this like herbal tea because it's raining outside and it looks cold, even though it's not really that super cold in Queensland. Anyway, I hope you've had a really great week. I've had a good week. Our academy students finished term two on Thursday and we went out with a bang and it was fun and they're wonderful and I love them and I know a lot of them listen. So a big shout out to all of our academy students. And hey, if you want to join us, guys, our mid-year intake is open. So pop along to our website and have a look. And next term, of course, we're going to be back together in the classroom, which we all are absolutely hanging out for. Anyway... Um, today, you know, we've had a couple of guests on the last few episodes, so I just wanted to have you guys to myself today to have a chat with you about a few things that have been on my heart. Um, I want you to know when I do this podcast each week, I really do prayerfully consider and ask God, what is it that you want me to share? And so this is what's been on my heart this week. I've been jotting down a couple of things that I really wish someone had told me before I jumped into leadership or even that I wish they had told me as I was progressing through my leadership journey. So I want you to feel like this is a bit of a chat from, I don't know, mama bear, that if you were sitting on my couch right now with me, this is what I would tell you. So I'm going to go through three different things that uh, are really from my heart, from my heart to yours, and that I really pray helps some of you, one of you, all of you today who are listening, no matter what kind of leadership that you're in, whether you're in church leadership or leadership in running a business or in a school or whatever, wherever you are right now, however this relates to you. So here we go. So I'm going to go through three. And my first one is this, that the most important thing in leadership that I wish somebody had told me was the most important thing is to not want to be loved and approved by those you lead. You know, I actually heard someone say this not very long ago, and I cannot believe that I've been in leadership for, oh my gosh, like 25 plus years, and I've never heard anyone articulate it like that before. And I remember I stopped what I was doing when I heard it and I quickly took out my notes on my phone and I wrote it down and I was like, you know what, if this is life changing for me, then I know that this will be life changing for you. So let me unpack this a little bit because I mean, it's normal and natural to want to be loved and to want to be approved of by those that you lead, but it cannot be the most important thing. Anyone who leads cannot have as their first priority to be loved by those that you lead because 
if it is our first aim to be loved by those that we lead, then our judgment on how best to lead them will be clouded. And I think the reason that this really spoke to me the other day, to be really honest, is because I knew that um, a few things in our leadership recently that perhaps not everyone agrees with it. And, you know, when you want to be loved, it's really hard to know that people don't necessarily agree with perhaps something that you're choosing to do in your leadership. And it can be really disconcerting. And what we can end up doing is in order to get those people's approval back or to get their, to get their love back is to actually compromise what we know to be true and what we know to be right. And, you know, particularly if you're like me, and I think I've spoken with you guys before, but I definitely will, will be speaking about it again in the future because I had a, a root of rejection in my heart just from all of the stuff I've been through as a kid. I am probably more susceptible to this than anyone. So you might really relate to that. Perhaps you've, you know, suffered bullying or been through something like I have where you are more susceptible to feeling, to really feeling it when people that you lead withdraw their love or their approval from you. But this is the thing. We will find it hard to make the hard calls that we have to make as a leader if we're so worried about how much people love us because we'll be too worried about disappointing them and losing their affection and losing their love. And if we worry too much about keeping that love and that approval, then we will constantly be manipulated by those that shout the loudest. So let me give you an example. As a parent, if your first aim is to be loved by your kids, you will actually be a poor parent. Being a good parent means making calls that sometimes your kids won't like. And you can't be afraid of making those decisions in the fear that they're going to withdraw their affection or their love for you. You know, I've always said to my kids growing up, I'm not your friend, I'm your mum. Now, as they get older, that will change. As they go into adulthood and they make decisions for themselves, then that will change. I am their friend. But when your kids are younger and when you're leading them, you are not there to be their friend. You're there to be their parent. So when my kids get really cross at me for certain decisions that they don't like, well, I don't let that move me. And you know, this starts right back to from when your kids are really, really little. Like think of when you are going shopping with your kid and they want something that they've seen on the shelf and they start badgering you for it. Mom, I want that. Mom, I want that. I want that lolly. I want that lollipop. Whatever it is, I want this. I want that. And then they start crying and then they start throwing a tanty. And you know that right at that moment, if you don't give that thing to them, then you are not pleasing them. And what happens is a lot of parents right at that point go, oh my gosh, I I don't have the courage. I don't have what it takes to tell my kid no and stand with that no. And so they give in. And we don't realize how even as a parent of a two or a three-year-old, we can be manipulated. But we need to be stronger than that. As parents, we need to be stronger than that. But it's no different in leadership because what will happen is people will manipulate at times what they want 
And if they don't get what they want from you, then they will withdraw their approval or withdraw their love. But if you're not leading from a place of I need your love, now, would I like you to love me? Yes. Would I like you to approve of me? Yes. Do I need it? No. Otherwise, you will always kowtow, great word there, kowtow, down, you'll bow down to the person that shouts the loudest. Here's another example. Um, as a teacher, you all know, I often use my teaching analogies as a teacher. If my primary concern is to be loved and approved by my student, I will be a bad teacher. You know, when you're teaching, you've got 25 or more kids in your class. Now, can you keep every one of them happy and approving of you all the time? No. Can you keep all the parents happy and approving of you at all time? No. You know, I remember once this parent came to me at the end of the year. This family had just moved from Murray Bridge to Adelaide. And I remember they came to me. I taught their daughter. And they didn't say that much to me during the year. But at the end of the year, they came and brought me the biggest bunch of flowers. And this is what the dad said. He, this was his thank you. Oh, at the start of the year, we didn't really know if we liked you or not, but you've turned out to be the best teacher that Alana's ever had. Now, honestly, I was thinking, um, I think thank you. Like, I'm really glad I didn't know at the start of the year that you weren't sure if you liked me or not. But regardless, I never taught in such a way to seek the love and approval of the parents of my kids because every parent had a different idea about what their kid needed and every parent had a different idea about what I as the teacher should do. And if I was constantly running around bowing down to the 25 different sets of parents who wanted me to do teach their Johnny this way and this one other te- other parent wanted me to teach this other way, then I literally would have gone crazy and it would have weakened my authority as a teacher. If I did that, I would be literally tossed and turned by the wind of what every parent wanted. Girls, let me tell you, and I really wish someone had sat, like articulated this to me earlier. When you lead, you have to let go of the desire to be approved and loved by everyone. Because if you don't, Honestly, it will just drive you crazy. You will be tossed and turned by the wind of what every parent per person wants you to do and wants you to be. You know, even recently, to be really honest, um, we didn't do something or I didn't do something that someone wanted me to do as a leader. And so they went and put up a very pointed social media post about me. Can I just say, don't be that person if you don't like what somebody does, don't go and post social on social media. It's honestly, it's so immature. But was that hurtful? Do you know what? Yes, that was hurtful. And I knew that it was pointed at me. But guess what? I had two choices. I could either be upset and be rocked by their disapproval and then quickly go and fix and do what it was that they wanted me to do. Or my second option would be to say, you know what? No worries. I made a decision based on what I think is the best and I'm standing by that. And that's what I did. But you can only lead strong if you lead from the position that do I want people to love me? Yes, I do. But do I need it? Do I rely upon it? 
no, I won't and I cannot. And I cannot tell you how much that set me free when I heard this just just recently. I think I knew it in my kind of somewhere in my heart, but to hear someone articulate it, I felt like, oh, phew, like kind of let me off the hook. Like there will be many, many, many times where people do not approve of something that you're doing or they, you know, one minute they love you, the next minute they don't love you and you just can't lead from that position. You know what? People who lead in a way to get others to love and approve, they'll win in the short term. In the short term, if they do what that person wants, they'd get the approval. Just like if I do what a parent wants in my classroom, they want me to do a certain thing. Like I remember having a parent, get this, years ago, she would not allow her child, it was a Christian school, to color in or to see any pictures of anything to do with Jesus unless it was an actual photograph of the actual cloak he would have worn or the shoes that he actually would have worn. So, and mind you, I was teaching a prep class. And I remember she said, this mum came to me and she goes, my daughter, I think her name was Rebecca, my daughter is not allowed to color in anything that is a picture of anything to do with Jesus, let alone a picture of Jesus himself, because that is making an idol out of him. And honestly, I remember looking at that parent in the eye and saying, I'm really sorry, but we're a Christian school and we do do colorings and drawings and our whole Christian Connect book at the time had pictures, cartoon pictures of Jesus. And I just... I did not kowtow to her. I just said, I'm sorry, but I cannot do what you're asking. And if you're not okay with that, then maybe you need to look at picking another school. Now, that was difficult. It would have been so much easier for me to have said to her, oh, no problem. No problem. I'll go through every single book and every single lesson and I will tear out and take out and change every single lesson to make sure that never, ever, 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 ever will your daughter see a cartoon picture of Jesus or his clothes or anything to do with him. In the short term, I would have averted a storm. In the short term, it would have been easier and gee, that would have felt a lot better. It was not easy to have a parent, parent staring at me and saying, and, and literally she got so mad with me, she went to the principal and thank God the principal backed me. But do you know what? You do not want to win in the short term, but lose in the long run. Because what about when another person wants you to do something different and they shout a little bit louder, what will you do then? How will you keep everyone happy then? And then people will see you bow and bend to the will of others and what will happen is they will actually lose respect for you eventually. So no, it won't be comfortable in the short term, but I promise you that in the long term, you will be known as a strong leader who can be trusted because you are being led by the Spirit of God, not the the loud and shouting voices of people who threaten to withdraw their love or their approval if you don't do what they say. Now, do we want people to love us? Of course we do, but don't seek it out and don't live by it and certainly don't lead by it. I really Hope that that is just setting someone free right now, that you needed to hear that, that you need to be okay with leading without constant approval. Okay, this is my second one that I wish someone had told me because it would have made my leadership so much easier over the years. And that's this. Don't let the compliments get to your head and then the criticism won't get to your heart. 
I'll say it again. Don't let the compliments get to your head because then the criticism won't get to your heart. Now there is a saying, thick skin, soft heart. And that is so true for leadership. I often remind myself of this when people get critical. I often think to myself, okay, come on, Renee, you got to have a thick skin, but keep a soft heart, you know, to last the long haul as a leader and to continue to be a good leader. You have to lead with a thick skin, but keep your heart soft. And I think this is a really good way to do that is don't let the compliments get to your head and then you won't let the criticism get to your heart. You know, sometimes when the criticism comes thick and fast, it feels more like your skin is soft and then your heart becomes thickened and hardened. And I've seen that happen to leaders over the years. They just have disappointment after disappointment or hurt after hurt. And what happens is instead of getting a thick skin and a soft heart, they actually get the other way around and their their, their skin becomes really thin and everything gets through and their heart starts to become hardened and you can see it. And then they lead from a place of bitterness and a calloused heart. And this is the biggest trap, I think, that the enemy would love us to fall into because If he can make your heart hard and callous, then you will no longer, you and I will no longer be an effective leader. I've talked about Sam Chand before. He's a fantastic uh, leadership guru. And he says, and I think I'm pretty sure I've said this before, that your level of influence can only grow to the level that you can handle pain. So let me say that again. Just have a think about that. Your level of influence will only grow to the level you can handle pain. So if you're like you're done, you've just you've ha- you've had enough. You've been criticized. You've had enough pain and you decide that's it. I'm withdrawing. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Well then your leadership influence will stop right there. But if you can endure pain, the more you can endure it, the more your leadership will continue to grow. You know, sometimes it does feel like leadership is a lot about pain and sometimes we can feel like we invest so much in people and maybe they don't appreciate it or they criticize or they don't thank you or they leave. And as leaders, we can't lead out of how we feel because when we get compliments, well, that's going to feel really good. But then when we get criticized, well, that feels really bad. And we have to learn to not lead out of our emotions. Now, oh my gosh, this is hard. And I'm talking to myself here as well as to you. But we have to process our emotions for sure. In fact, we ha- it, it is an absolute must that we find a safe space to process our emotions with someone that you trust. And to remind yourself that people are people, they're humans, they're fickle. And they're going to do things out of their humanity, just like you and I do things out of our humanity. And sometimes they will compliment you when they do things that you like. And other times they will criticize you when you do something that they don't like. But we can't be led by compliments or criticism. We have to be led by the spirit of God. Um, Here's a great scripture for us. You can go and look it up after. It's James chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. And this comes from the Passion Translation, which I love. It says, For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. 
oh my gosh, how good is that? Isn't that so true? When people compliment us, we believe. We believe in our leadership. We believe in what we're doing. And then someone criticizes us and all of a sudden we allow the, the doubts to flow. Well, let's continue. But being undecided, right? So one minute believing, the next minute doubting. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're, in, when you're in that condition? How good is that scripture, girls? Let that speak into your heart and your soul. There are people listening right now, and it might not even be in a church setting. It might be in your workplace that you have felt criticized, one minute complimented, one minute criticized, and you've allowed yourself to be up and down according to the compliments and the criticism. But the Bible says that if you if you stay undecided, then it's like being tossed around by the rough sea, up one minute, down the next. And that actually leaves us unstable. And then, I mean, that last part, can we expect to receive anything from the Lord when we're in that condition? So if we flip that on, the, on its head, that means that if we do choose to stay stable and we don't let the criticism get to our head, sorry, the, the compliments get to our head or the criticism get to our heart, if we can be stable, then we can expect to receive from the Lord, which is amazing. You know, years ago when we first took over the youth ministry in Adelaide, um, years and years we were just married I think we just had Georgia and we realized that a lot of the church kids were not actually coming to our youth ministry and it was a very big church by the way about 6,000 people and even the senior pastor's own kids were not coming so when we were asked to take over the youth ministry we knew that this was a serious role because the senior pastor needed good youth leaders so that his kids would engage back in again so anyway, there was a group of kids that were coming from a certain area in Adelaide and um, literally coming by the busload. For those that are in Adelaide, you'll know what I mean if I say like Elizabeth down at the Elizabeth area. And they were coming in by the busload, but these kids were um, very badly behaved. Um, they came from really dysfunctional families and they were literally dominating the culture of the youth ministry. So much so that the good church kids stopped coming. So it's kind of backwards. You know, the youth ministry, yes, it should be for outreach, but it also should first and foremost be there for the kids that are in the church. That is why we're there first. So they were bringing such a disrespectful culture in that the church kids didn't feel safe because these kids were aggressive. They were rude. So I remember Cameron said in a leaders meeting, and there would have been maybe about 25 leaders there, we're going to stop the buses. We are not going to go and send buses down to bring these kids in. And oh my gosh, we'd only just taken over. We felt God tell us to do this. We felt that this was our blueprint. Stop the buses, get the culture right in the youth ministry, get the church kids back to youth and then start the buses again, but smaller so that we they, they didn't dominate the culture. And we could teach them and train them. Well, some of the leaders, did they kick up a stink? They were furious. They criticized us. They accused us of not caring for kids that were living in poverty. And but you know what? 
we just weren't moved because God had spoken to us and we were the new pastors, but we were not going to lead based on compliments and criticism. We were going to lead based on what God told us to do. So we held the line. The church kids started flocking back over time, including the senior pastor's kids, who, by the way, went on both to serve God in full-time ministry to this day. And slowly after that, we let the buses back in about six months later, but only a bus of 12 instead of a bus of like 25. And we taught those kids respect for the leaders and we taught them the kind of behavior we wanted them to have. And you know, in the end, the respect of our leadership team was enormous because they could see that we didn't lead according to the leaders who were telling us what to do. We led according to the blueprint that God had given us. And do you know, not one of our leaders ever left. And I remember our pastor saying to us at the time, what a testament it was to our leadership that we were able to take over this youth ministry and not lose one of the youth leaders. Don't fall into the trap of allowing a clique to form around you of only the people who compliment you. It's easy to get those who compliment us all the time to be the only ones we allow around us, but that can make other people feel on the outer. And believe me, Those who start complimenting can very quickly turn on you and start to criticize. So put people around you according to the blueprint that God has you build by. Don't put people around you who suck up to you. Watch the ones who overly compliment you um, and, and build according to God's blueprint. Okay, so the third one, the third thing that I wish that people, someone had told me was this, don't do what's popular, do what is right. Oh my gosh, don't do what's popular, do what is right. Do you know it is a weak leader who leads according to what is popular and it takes a strong leader to lead from a place of what is right. Now, what do I mean by right? I mean by what you feel God telling you to do. And of course, it has to line up biblically. You know, what will happen is, If you lead by what is popular, then what is popular will lead your life and your leadership instead of God. If you lead from the latest social media hashtag, then that will lead your life instead of God. Or what your friends want will lead your life instead of God. Or the number of your social media followers will lead your life instead of God. And let me tell you, let me be honest, guys, it is going to be difficult to do what is right instead of what is popular. I have seen it myself. I am blown away over what's been happening the last couple of months because, of course, with the coronavirus, everyone's been doing all online stuff. And I've been really surprised at a number of pastors of some significant churches who have actually been buying social media followers for their church, for themselves, for their YouTube subscribers. I'm like, are you jo- are you kidding me? Like what? I'm so disappointed what kind of a message that that is sending to our younger leaders. I I do not give two hoots how many followers we have on public or on Youth Alive or here on the girl next door. Neither does Cameron. It is not right to purchase followers or even use a computer program to manage your accounts to to build it. Why? Because it's fake influence. You care more about looking popular than being real. You know what? I'm making a hard call by saying that today. But do you know what? I am not going to say what's popular. I'm going to say what's right. And that is that it is not right to put pressure 
on all the people underneath you or, or looking to you by buying false influence. It's using fake influence, thinking it will help you build real influence. You know, what does the Bible say? Ephesians 4 verse 14 says that we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lives so clever they sound like the truth. And we have to become so discerning, girls, because there is so much out there right now that sounds so clever that it sounds like the truth. But we need to be girls who are discerning and guys, hello boys, discerning and weigh everything up by the Bible. You know, you will come to a real problem if you lead according to what is popular because what is popular changes so quickly. What is popular one week will not be popular in a few weeks time. Like, are you going to keep chopping and changing what you're doing according to what is popular? Because the people following you, they get sick of that. Get a blueprint from God and lead from that. You know, the fruit of that will do so much more talking in your life than the fruit of people who are tossed about by every new popular opinion. The other problem with leading by what's popular is very often it does not stack up with the Bible. But what happens is we've got people and leaders included who have become so weak that they don't care. It's the, it's the social media voices that mean more, more to them than the voice of God through their Bible. They somehow justify themselves because they're doing what's being approved by the masses. So an example is the self-love movement. You know, I unpacked this a few episodes ago and why that's not biblical and um, self-love and, and I'm enough movement. And, you know, that week or a week or so later, a particular person didn't like what I said and left a big, long comment and then apparently blogged about me. I didn't really read it because I, I just I don't care if people do that. And I'm like, well, dang it. Oh, I better retract my podcast episode because it's not popular with the masses. But I will not kowtow to what's popular to the masses. You know what? When I've searched the Bible and I can't find anywhere that it says we'll feel a whole lot better if we love ourselves more and if we chant the mantra, I am enough, then I don't care how many people blog about me or disagree because it's not me. It is God's word. Girls, think for yourselves. Don't believe things because you see it posted or because the masses are telling you to read the Bible. Don't even believe my word for it. Go to the Bible for yourself and weigh up everything, every decision, every opinion that you have, weigh it up by the word of God. So there we go. So there's the three. Let me go over them again. The three things that I wish someone had told me earlier was that the most important thing is to not want to be loved and approved by those who you lead. Number two, don't let the compliments get to your head and the criticism won't get to your heart. And number three, don't do what's popular, do what is right. Now, these three things, they're not easy to do, to not care about being loved and approved, to not let compliments get to your head and the criticisms to your heart and to do what's right and not what's popular. Do you know what all three of these um, things take? It's going to take courage, courage and absolute guts. Do you know that courage is one of the most lacking traits in people today? It's the most uncommon of all good human traits. 
And I'm seeing a lot of leaders these days who have been leaders for years or decades who are well known, but I'm seeing them lack courage. I'm seeing them fold to popular opinion instead of standing up for for what the Bible says. It starts with wanting to be courageous. It starts with thinking for yourself and not going along with the status quo. It starts with getting a word from God for yourself and for whatever it is that you're leading, whether that be in a classroom, in a youth ministry, in a small group, in a, in a um, did I say youth ministry? I think I did. Uh, might be in a business, whatever it is. You get a word from God for yourself and follow it no matter what. And do you know what? In the days to come, we are going to need moral courage because a lot of the agenda that the world is championing, which is popular culture, is not right. It's not Bible. So we need to dig deep into the word of God and find out what does God think about this? What does God say about this? And we've been doing that a lot in the academy lately. We have been having the really hard discussions about all sorts of things to try and unearth, okay, where's my worldview? Because our worldview shouldn't be shaped by our social media and what we see. Our worldview needs to be shaped by the Bible. You know, one great way, and I want to finish with this, but one great way to get more courage is to actually read stories of other people who have had great courage. So go along and get some biographies. They don't even have to be Christian people. But go along and read some biographies of people who showed great courage because I'm telling you, why is courage courage? Because they're usually the minority standing up to a big, loud majority voice. That's why it takes courage because they're going against the status quo. You know, as I've said before, I've been so inspired by books, even when I was younger, like The Hiding Place by Corrie ten Boom and the courage that she had to survive the concentration camp during World War II, the, the very camp that killed her sister she showed so much courage and it was because of her relationship with Jesus that she had courage be inspired by the lives of others because you know what courage is contagious seeing someone else's courage reading about someone else's courage it helps to give you courage and then your courage will inspire other people to be courageous so there you go That is what I wanted to say to you today. So girls and boys, no matter which one of those might have spoken to you, maybe it was all three, let the takeaway be that this week you're going to, why don't you set yourself a bit of a, a bit of a goal to read about someone who had great courage and to be someone that does something courageous this week to help inspire courage in other people. Please know that I think about you guys all the time. I'm so prayerful about what I feel God wants me to share. And I love you and I'm praying for you. And I pray that this week would be filled with great peace and great courage. Amen. Love you guys. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.